passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're scared. You won't go to the doctor because you're scared of what he'll say. Now you'll say that you're scared he'll tell you you can't go to WrestleMania and face Ronda Rousey. But the truth is, you're scared. You're scared he'll tell you you can go to WrestleMania and you can face Ronda Rousey. You're scared, Becky, because if you do, you're afraid that at WrestleMania, Ronda Rousey will expose you as the fraud that you are. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rwanda Smackdown. 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 Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Smackdown. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. It is Tuesday night. Here at the post office. How are you, Way? Doing well. Doing pretty good. I don't know how I would react if you just came back and said, awful, terrible, let's get this over with. Sure, you would just ask me why I was feeling that way, and you'd probably want to know why I was I'd, I'd want to make you feel better. I'd yeah. Lift up your spirits. I would hope so. Um, but you know, if I was having a really bad day, I probably wouldn't want to talk about it. So I would just say, I'm fine. So that way you never know. You'd but, lie. You just, you just hold it all in? I mean, depending, That's not healthy. depending on the situation, if it's a personal matter, matter that I don't want to broadcast on the internet, then yeah, I probably would. But I encourage everybody in your private life. I think if you get asked, how are you? You know, it's, it's always, I think, for the most part, good to talk. In the entire time I've known you, you've never once just called me up out of the blue and said, hey, can we talk? I'm having a bad day. But I want you to know, Way, you can make that phone call to me. I'll always be here to answer it. I think I did that the day that uh, I received an email telling me to go into work early. Uh, oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I gave you pretty much as much of a heads up as, uh, as I possibly could without announcing to you what you were uh, going to be told. Well, that was a great phone call. Yeah. Um, I, I, re- I remember the meetup at the, at the, at the coffee shop uh, 10 minutes after that. Y- you did not seem like you were having a bad day. Yeah. You know, we've talked about it, man. It's like it was, it, it all worked out. So um, I don't, I don't look back, you know, with ill will towards any of it. Well then. I wasn't expecting the show to start that way, but here we are. This is uh, quite the show we have uh, coming up for everybody. 
You know, we mentioned on Monday's Rewind to Raw, the tickets are on sale now for our special post-wrestling live in New York show, WrestleMania weekend, Sunday, April the 7th at the Broadway Comedy Club. You can go to postwrestling.com slash live. And, you know, the slogan that Way so geniusly, uh, geniusly came up with was, tickets are on sale. Please don't embarrass us. <laughs> I think it's safe to say we, we are not going to be embarrassed. Can we, can we say that? I, I think we, we have gotten off to a, a, a healthy start. Yeah, certainly. We checked in on uh, ticket sales earlier, and uh, we're, we're pleased with the result. We're not sold out or anything, okay, everybody? We're far from, uh, the, we're not really at all-in territory. We're, uh, you 20, know. 20,000? Yeah, 20,000, or I mean like 10,000 10, just sold in, in the drop of like a minute. We're not really at that level, but we're, we're very satisfied right now with, with, the, with the pace. So, um, but, you know, we, we still have to keep pushing. We got to keep promoting. So postwrestling.com slash live is where you can go grab your tickets. And of course, we are going to be there on Sunday, April the 7th, noon Eastern. We're going to kick things off with a 90-minute Q&A show. Uh, followed by a special meet and greet. We're also going to have some specially designed t-shirts that will be available. And tickets are $25. If you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, 20 bucks. Amazing. Come on. You, you've, you've probably lost $20 in your uh, just falling out of your pocket over the last year. In New York, that's, that's like the price of a cup of coffee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not even the, the cab ride will cost more. Yeah. So... Uh, it's going down the Broadway Comedy Club, 318 West 53rd Street. We will have everyone out of there. Uh, the Q&A will be done by 1.30. If you want to stick around, the meet and greet goes for another hour. And then the first kickoff match at WrestleMania is not until 5.30. Lots of time. Mm-hmm. So that is going down, postwrestling.com slash live. However way, that's, that's the road to WrestleMania that we are on right now. What is the road looking like this week at postwrestling.com? Well, it's a freshly paved road, uh, you know, through through maybe the help of many people uh, of our of, of our. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this. The British Wrestling Experience comes out tomorrow with a brand new edition. Um, Martin Benno, do we know the status of Ollie right now? Where is Ollie Court in this world? Uh, I I was I'm waiting for him to announce his own convention, Ollie in. We do not know where Ollie Court is. I've gotten some sporadic updates from Martin. Last I heard, he had gone to Japan for uh, Wrestle Kingdom and the Fight Club Pro Show. That was a month ago. Yeah, so he's Ollie out right now. Um, letting you know for the time being, I Ollie, if you're here, if you're there, like drop us a line. Like I think we just want to know where just you a are. status update, Ollie. Yeah. We just want to make sure you're okay. Yeah. So I, I hope he will be returning. Um, yes. Yeah. The, so the long road back. So Martin and Benno will be back uh, tomorrow with the British Wrestling Experience on their own feed, which is also on Spotify. Also on Spotify right now, in case you haven't heard, Up Next, who will return on Thursday with a brand new show talking about uh, everything NXT, including uh, last week's Halftime Heat, which they did a special review on, including the in-betweeners, everything everything NXT, everything uh, British, uh, like British culture. Everything, um, Tinder, uh, they talk a lot about that. It's a great show. If you want to know what the absolute complete opposite of me and Way are in human form, Brayden and Davey. 
No, I wouldn't say they're complete opposites. Complete opposites of me. I, th- I think you're more uh, closer to them. I wouldn't even I, say I, that. I, I, I never, like, I, I'm, I'm not an old guy, but I never feel older than when I listen to those two. They are very, uh, they're very young at heart, those guys. Yes. I feel like I'm 50 when I listen to them. Yeah. Uh, on the post wrestling guys. Ca- what? I said fun guys. Fun guys. Yes, they're very fun. Uh, <laughs> on the, on the post wrestling cafe, which is our Patreon right now, or at least in a couple hours, you will be able to download the double shot, which is a packed, packed, packed edition this week. What are Lots we of caffeine about? on the double shot tonight. Yeah. So uh, I'll be talking a little bit about the WWF. So God, WWE's World Collide uh, special that aired over the weekend. Uh, I'll talk talk a little bit of, about being the elite. And John, I am going to be chatting about the MLW Super Fight card that went down on Saturday on BN Sports. Uh, we'll talk about uh, what worked, what didn't work on the show. Uh, their live special from Philadelphia on Saturday night. Plus, we're going to chat about uh, the latest being the elite. I just said that, man. You completely cut out for a good uh, 10 seconds, so I didn't hear anything of what you promoted. So I took a, I took a shot, and you called me on it. So Got it. I'm okay. Sorry. And then maybe something else. We don't even know if we have time. Yeah, I might, might chat a little fire Festival. Oh, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Okay, so also on the cafe coming up this Friday, we have our latest MCU review, which is uh, covering the first Phase 2 film of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the one right after Avengers. And that is Iron Man 3. Have you seen it set? Uh, I've watched it. I'm all, I'm all set. Okay. Um, you don't have to tell me exactly what you thought, but did you like it more or less than Iron Man 2? I'm assuming you didn't like it as much as Iron Man 1. Did you like it more or less? No, than no. Iron Man 1 holds the, uh, the top spot. I... It's a good question. I might lean Iron Man 3 over 2. Okay. It's been a while. I haven't seen this one since since the theaters, so I look forward to revisiting it. Yeah, I saw this one in the theaters. Um, I had more of a recollection of it than Iron Man 2. That's my goal of just trying to remember this stuff. I mean, this one only came out in 2013. It wasn't that long ago. It is, like, a long time ago, though. That's six years, man. Like, in wrestling terms, in wrestling, like, that's, like, an age, ages ago. But I, I remembered all the high spots in this movie before oh. they were happening in gotcha. front of me. Like What's coming up? Falling. Yeah. What's coming up this weekend? Um, this weekend, we have UFC 234 from Melbourne, Australia. Melbourne or Melbourne, whichever you prefer. Uh, I'm going to be joined by Phil, and we're going to be chatting about that card from Australia, which is really a two-fight card, and the rest of it, um, I'm hoping for some good fights, but from a name value standpoint, we've got the main event with Robert Whitaker and Kelvin Gastelum for the middleweight title, and Israel Adesanya meeting Anderson Silva, and I think that this is going to be a really tough night for Anderson Silva fans. Really? Damn. I, I think I'm going to watch that fight at least. Like, Anderson's my guy, so I want I think to the top two fights are really intriguing. Um, but yeah, Anderson Silva and Adesanya is the one that has my, my largest amount of interest, and I'm choosing... I'm going with Adesanya, but that it's not going to be a cakewalk for him either. I think uh, sometimes... As these guys get older, they tend to get written off. And then you see, look at Jose Aldo. He just looked fantastic over the weekend. He's now suddenly won two in a row, starting to erase that loss to Conor McGregor. Um, I'm not expecting the same thing from Anderson Silva, though. I am picking Adesanya, but it's an interesting fight. 
Awesome. And then uh, this weekend, actually, there's a New Japan um, New Beginning show on Monday. So John yes. and I will be back on the cafe for a bonus review of that sometime. Actually, wait, what are we doing with that? We're talking about that on Rewind to Raw. I, yeah, I think we're just going to double up and Rewind to Raw. We'll do a review of Raw and we'll go through the New Beginning card. Okay, so free. Free for everybody. Yeah, We got we to gotta watch out for people's uh, data plans. Let's do it. Right. And uh, and most likely, I, I think we can say we will have a show up. Uh, are you going to be watching the AEW press conference live on Thursday night, or are you going to watch it later? I don't know if I'll be. You know what? I think I'll be around. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. I'll... Okay. Well, let's plan late Thursday night. We're yeah. going to probably have not a, not a super long show, but just a reaction to the press conference in Las Vegas, which I'm certain is going to have news coming out of it. Yeah. If not then, then certainly uh, by Friday morning, we'll have something. Yes. All right. So that is all the news, uh, or at least our in-house news. And now we head on over to outside in the the wild world where I feel that there is just so much news on a daily basis. It's insane just to try and keep up with everything that's going down. So let us try. Seth Rollins, um, we're able to uh, now state he's got a back injury. That's what he is dealing with. And apparently he has been cleared to travel. So he's going to be popping up on television. I haven't heard anything different about the live events that he's uh, not scheduled for them for the time being. And he should be popping up on television. But it was noted to me today that uh, for some of the top stars, they don't want to overuse everybody leading up to WrestleMania. So if there's a week that they don't need someone like a Seth Rollins, uh, they're not going to force feed them onto the show if there isn't a reason for it. And I think Rollins falls into that category because there's weeks that Lesnar's got not going to be around and you know, you've got your match and I think that that's not the worst idea in the world that you don't want to just have these guys out unless there's a specific purpose for it. So we'll see how that plays out. That can always change depending on the week. Yeah. I mean, I actually, you know, I mean, unfortunately perhaps to the detriment of, you know, uh, our weekly raw viewings, which, you know, under something, a policy like this might kind of make them uh, more relevant than ever. Um, I actually am a fan of this. I like see, hearing that they're, they're being a lot more conservative when I think so much of their philosophy has been to just inject more, 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 more. Uh, the fact that they're being somewhat conservative with their star power, I think, takes a cue from like how, how somebody like a Brock Lesnar is perceived. The fact that he only appears from time to time makes him feel that much more special. Uh, certainly, you're putting them at less risk of, of injury by by saving them this way. Uh, I'm sure, you know, in the weeks leading up to WrestleMania, you'll really start to see them ramp up their appearances. But for now, like two months out, why? Why? Why have them out there for nothing? Yeah. So that's the latest with him as he's uh, dealing with this. And uh, WrestleMania is, is not in jeopardy. They don't have any concerns about that. It just seems like this is going to be something affecting him for uh, February. And we'll see. Maybe he's going to recover earlier and uh we'll see but that's the current uh status of him sasha banks i mentioned it on monday night that uh part of well the reason that they booked that match the way they had was that sasha banks had not been cleared and i followed up on this on tuesday uh asking had she been cleared for at least minimal physicality and i was told no she has not been cleared at all so the hope now is that she'll be ready to go by next week but the priority is the Elimination Chamber match and making sure she's okay for that. So I would say that even if she's cleared next Monday, 
unless there's a great reason. I mean, why why put her in a match on Raw if the priority is the chamber match? So I guess it's touch and go based upon if she is cleared next week and hoping that she'll be fine uh, next week. They were they were hoping she would be okay on Monday and obviously was not. So that's the latest with her. Sean Ross Sapp at Fightful uh, was the one to report on Tuesday that the WWE's return to Saudi Arabia is scheduled for Friday, May the 3rd. Uh, this followed a report from Dave Meltzer that they're planning to do May and November this year in Saudi Arabia. As we get closer to this show, way, I mean, we know how much money is involved here. What do you expect the the tone and the reaction to be for this third show, seeing what um, has come out the last two shows, specifically with Crown Jewel, that there was such a fervor for that show because of the Jamal Khashoggi murder? Um, do you feel that this one is going to kind of generate that same kind of a backlash or do you feel that there was so much around crown jewel that people are just going to um not be as vigorous in their um complaints about this show which has been a a very negative reaction for the first two i don't think it'll be as um you know maybe as loud as it was uh during kind of like the the height of 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 the of crown jewel um i think largely in the press a lot of um that uh, attention to that story has somewhat died down, but not, not that completely. Like it's not no. that much time removed from it. We're not even like what, six months away from it. So October. Yeah. So I, I, I think the re- reaction will, will still be quite loud. Like if it was, you know, a year or two year break away from Saudi Arabia, I think it'd be far different, but we're only talking six months. It's still fresh on everybody's minds. So I think they will treat the show much like they did with Crown Jewel. I don't think they'll reference anything regarding the location that they're in. I don't think you'll see any propaganda videos. And I think coming out of it, you'll see it be, be treated the very same that you saw it uh, Crown Jewel treated at this point, not even being referred to Crown Jewel. They're even the, the name that they came up with for this show itself is a dirty word now in WWE canon. They call the whole thing now what? The best, the in- best in the world? something tournament whatever yeah and that you know is amazing to me in many ways um but it's like the feeling that i i, I get like with them going to this show to do the show again just kind of feels like they they you know they're being forced to do it to fulfill a contract and i don't know what the legalities of, of it all are um I mean, certainly a lot of money is involved, but, you know, I'm sure also they've they've considered breaking this contract because their PR has taken a huge hit as a result of it. So I'm I'm sure they're preparing their best to kind of weather that storm again. Um, but, you know, it's that storm is going to come. And I, I mean, I think I'm happy to be a part of that storm because I it's it's pretty it's still pretty crazy to me. Mariah Carey recently. I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. P- part of. You know, in this this post Jamal Khashoggi um, kind of backlash that the country has received, one of their um, solutions has been to bring in all of these entertainment acts. And Mariah Carey was one to go over to Saudi Arabia, and she has received a lot of criticism for it. And there's been other artists and comedians that have been listed um, that they have wanted to bring in. And some of these people, like through their representatives, have said, we have not been contacted. And... Um, yeah, Seth but Mariah Morgan. Carey is one that went and performed there, and she received a lot of backlash. And that that follows uh, the Washington Post having that commercial during the Super Bowl honoring Jamal Khashoggi. 
So, I mean, this is still a a mainstream story. It's not at the height uh, of where it was in October and November, uh, but it, it's still very much out there. We'll see. Like, I mean, there's a chance that, that I think the reaction could even be louder than it was back in November, October, because um, it's just, you know, I think the... The association of the WWE's name with Saudi Arabia may be that much bigger now, now that everybody's aware that this event has happened already and that they're going back to it. So it could be louder. And you believe there won't be any of the, the propaganda and naming of the country? And my, my response would be, what is the General Sports Authority and the country of Saudi Arabia, what are they paying for then? And are they going to be insistent that, you know, this is going to be part of the show like this? We are buying a commercial for our country, and I think they are going to be doubling down on that more so because they have kind of an, an image to, to repair at the moment. And spending all of this money for world-class entertainment acts and WWE included coming to their country, I think they want to be putting that message out very loudly about the country. I suppose so, but I mean, I I would hope that even um, whoever's in control of of all that all that uh, I don't know tourism uh, publicity w- should understand that you're at you're in no position to provide a tourism video right now, especially like anywhere outside of Saudi Arabia. Like the they, I'm sure they're well aware that the reputation of their government is just atrocious right now. So, um. I would hope that they would have a bit of sensitivity uh, in that regard, um, it, at least enough to know that whatever efforts that they, they are looking to put forward right now are going to be ineffective outside of Saudi Arabia. I mean, as a show for the, the local citizens, I think maybe that's the value that they're also looking for. And the WWE, Mariah Carey, they can provide that. But as as a piece to publicize how great your nation is, nothing is going to work right now. Other news and notes, uh, Raw did 2,501,000 viewers, so they were down 7% from last week. That was the show coming off of the Royal Rumble. Uh, now former uh, WWE writer Kazim Femude has announced that he is leaving uh, the creative staff. and Mr. Bootiesworth. Uh, yes, that's right. Uh, he was involved in, in several segments on camera. He was also in the the skit with uh, Drake Maverick in catering the night after the Survivor Series. He got the joke in about uh, peas, where we got all the piss puns. Oh, okay. So he was involved in that as well. So yeah, he put up a message. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, creative member moving on to. Uh, Do we know where his- he's moving on to? Is it is it just outside of WWE? Is it for a rival wrestling promotion or anything? I don't know. That like if you look at his um at his profile, like he had done quite a lot before he he got here. He had done uh, on air stuff. He was a a managing director, a managing editor at at Bleacher Report. So uh, I I'm sure he's you know moving on to something else within oh i'm mistaken it's the not it's not the guy who was uh mr booty's worth that's somebody else oh okay well he is in the he, he did appear on camera several times and i think he he has appeared in like new day uh segments as well right so um the other one some other big news way dozovic and knight gone it is now otis and tucker yeah, um, 
I guess it kind of falls in line with like um, convention when people move up from NXT to the main roster. They just suddenly lose that last name. Um, I I don't hate this one. It's it's whatever. The next one's gonna be Dominic. Yeah. Uh, but 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 like, how do they determine who gets to keep last names and who doesn't? Because I don't see, you know, Adam Cole losing his last name. Shinsuke Nakamura is not just Shinsuke. Finn Balor still has a last name. Who? How do they decide who to keep and who 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 not to? Because one morning Vince McMahon just says, "I hate that name. It's gone." Yeah. Okay. Uh, Starcast. They have announced on Monday. They announced Sting will be appearing at Starcast on Tuesday night. This was an interesting one. They announced Bret Hart will be appearing, and this comes you know 24 hours after the report that he's going to be going into the WWE Hall of Fame a second time this year. So that becomes interesting. And other names they've added include Eric Bischoff, Tony Schiavone, Sean Mooney, and yeah, Bret Hart. An interesting one. It's going to be very interesting to see how uh, the talent. Um, shakes out for the the Starcast event and you know going after talent that are specifically on the graphics being promoted in Sting and Bret Hart's case as WWE Hall of Famers. That's nothing new though, right? At any of these conventions, Russell Khan or whatever, anytime these guys No, meet. but th- this this is now a much different thing than it was even for the first Starcast. Like when you're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, this is kind of, you know, part and parcel with a, a major competitor now that the WWE sees in them of how aggressive they get i mean you could argue that you know they they view wrestlecon and you know conventions like that as directly competing with them on weekends like wrestlemania but yeah i'm just interested to see if the wwe uh, places pressure on any of their guys under legends deals or any agreements to not do something like starcast this year Something tells me they won't like especially in the case of bret hart maybe you know they won't enact anything kind of that drastic like, I recall even somebody like a Jeff Jarrett making appearances the weekend of his WrestleMania induction, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. there's plenty of, like, WWE people and legends that have done both Access and uh, WrestleCon. They they haven't seemed to have been as aggressive in that uh, sense. But I feel it's a different case this year now with how they perceive all elite wrestling in yeah. comparison. Well, I certainly wouldn't like uh, you know, expect any of those people to appear on AEW like on Double or Nothing, you know, on the actual broadcast itself. Um I guess it's, it's how they view Starcast. I mean, are they yeah. viewing it as one and the same mm-hmm. or do they view it as just it's a, it's a convention? Yeah. Uh we were just talking about Katsuya Kitamura, uh the New Japan Young Lion, well on Tuesday the, they announced the, the, that, the Japanese Brock Lesnar. Yes, the Japanese Brock who has left the company effective January 31st. Um, it had been reported by Dave Meltzer that he was offered a new contract and at last word had not signed it and now has moved on and left the company. And it's been talked about like he hasn't wrestled since March. He suffered a major injury and you know, there's been very little in terms of updates on him and how he's doing. But um, you know, somebody that was, you know, a very highly accomplished amateur wrestler. And then he ended up getting, uh, suspended for two years because he had a, a drug test failure, which he claimed was a from a tainted supplement, and then got into professional wrestling and went through the dojo system, but had an, uh, an unbelievable look and seemed to be someone that was going to be high on their priority list of the young lions because of that look. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I was somewhat surprised to hear this because I, I had heard that he had actually signed, but I guess I was mistaken in that he had only been offered. So, But I think what we can gather th- is that you know, this was not New Japan's choice. They, w- they would want to keep this guy. Um, do we know the extent of like whatever injury that he might have suffered? I mean, it, it's vague. Um, you know, he hasn't really commented on it. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's been rumored that it was, you know, a significant leg injury after a, a scooter incident and kind of the extent of it. I mean, the fact is he hasn't wrestled in, in 10 months. So I, th- I think that gives a lot of credence to just how significant it was. Mm-hmm. That's too bad. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, an outstanding look. I think he's the kind of person that if if people in WWE saw this guy, I mean, my God, I think yeah. that they would have just grabbed this guy in a heartbeat. And the final story here is that ESPN Plus, um, it was stated on Tuesday, they have hit 2 million paid subscribers. And uh, this comes just five months after they announced they had hit 1 million subscribers. So a big part of this increase has been from the addition of the UFC because the day of that first UFC card on ESPN Plus, they added 525,000 signups. So that tells me that a lot um, stuck around after the seven-day trial because they specifically said uh, 2 million paid subscribers. Wow. So, I mean, ESPN Plus is, you know, I they're spending so much money um, – they're going to need more than this, but that's that's a really solid number. That this close, uh, just just starting off this early with the UFC. So now are they officially considered like the the biggest sports streaming platform for for sports streaming service? Um, I believe that the number one is still MLB, and then followed by well, the last time I saw a breakdown, it was MLB followed by WWE. WWE and Fight Pass, which would put ESPN Plus ahead of WWE. And I don't even know what the number is for MLB, but yeah. So you're looking at at least uh, right. probably the number two sports streaming service that's not an official league. And I and I certainly like wouldn't look at it like, you know, oh my God, ESPN beat WWE. ESPN should be WWE. They're ESPN, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, in in, in also, like, it's not like UFC beat WWE either because they're only seeing a small percentage of whatever money that's being made th- through this platform, whereas WWE is is seeing all of it. So, And they have put different. all of their resources into ESPN+. Plus. I mean, when the ESPN machine is behind something, I, I don't think you and I can truly appreciate it not having exposure to ESPN daily here in Canada. And I don't think we even have an equivalent. I don't, I don't think Sportsnet or TSN are anywhere near... Um, the, mm-hmm. the amount of power that an ESPN has. But just seeing that week I mean, it's in the Disney. league. It's, it's Disney and it's just, it's ingrained in, in people. Like that is the go-to on, in any bar you walk into. It's got enormous influence. And just seeing that week leading up to that Brooklyn card of all the UFC content and attention they placed on it. Um, it's, you know, it's a huge part of this deal of how, big it is to have espn pushing your product and when they are in the business to be when they have the rights to a certain sport what comes with that is is the espn machine do you see the ufc you know being treated with a a, um kind of more as a featured like prized possession by espn as a result of of these results i already saw it i mean they they're looking at ESPN as one of the major drivers for ESPN plus. I mean, they can't put all of their, their top 
sports properties onto ESPN Plus because of existing deals and fulfilling their their linear platforms. So UFC is a big deal to have on on ESPN Plus for them. I did not think that they would have that kind of a response for that first weekend. Combat, sorry. Yeah, that was all. Well, I was going to say, like, combat sports such as professional wrestling and UFC, I feel like it really have a leg up, you know, when it comes to conversion from, you know, uh, pay-per-view to OTT because people are used to paying for things like UFC and pro wrestling. Whereas to try to convince people to pay for your hockey game that you typically watch for free on cable might be a bit tougher. Uh, but then again, I'm, I'm not that big of a sports fan, so maybe those sports fans can chime in and let, let us know exactly, you know, how likely you are to pay for um like i don't know your local sports team if if it's carried on espn plus all right so that's all the news you can go to postwrestling.com for more and that takes us to smackdown from tuesday night in everett washington and we've been noticing all the those little uh highlights of you know monuments around the city and advertising them everett didn't seem to make the cut for one <laughs> of those city features yeah i wonder did, so they did say Everett, though? Did they? Name I it? never heard Everett on the show. I always heard the state of Washington during right. Brian's promo and throughout the show. I never heard Everett. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure the city was never mentioned. And that's not a coincidence when you don't hear it. I wouldn't know what I've never even Everett, heard of. What the hell is an Everett? Everett, Washington. I'm wondering what type of landscape or landmark you could even film. Like, I'm looking, I'm Google image searching Everett, Washington, and... I mean, it looks like a nice town. Sure it is. But, like, trees, mountains, you know, roads. I don't know. Well, they have a Ferris wheel. If WWE ever came to North York or Scarborough, I don't think they would be named either. Hey, come on. Against us. You've never been to the I'm including myself in there, too, with North York. Come on. The bluffs are beautiful. You would probably be who they would focus on. Like, you're a... a, (laughs) city icon in scarborough oh, there's a please. scarborough hall of fame waiting's going in uh i would be competing with the likes of mike meyer so i don't think so who come on all right smackdown started off with charlotte coming out they recap becky's suspension angle and uh the attack from stephanie kicking out becky's knee and the argument from graves was whether it was self-defense or not so mm-hmm. a lot of focus they, placed on like stephanie's role in causing the injury or the further injury to, to Becky. So to me, it, it's pretty clear that they're building towards that match at some point. With Becky and Stephanie. Yes. Whether in a tag team environment or, or one-on-one. Charlotte says that Becky's arrogance got the best of her. She hopes she's healthy for WrestleMania and mockingly chants with the fans for Becky. And Charlotte says, I'm 100% healthy. And she points to the WrestleMania sign and was waiting and waiting And finally, Becky showed up walking through the crowd, and Charlotte said, it's one thing to steal my dad's nickname. It's quite another to steal Roman Reigns' entrance. (laughs) (laughs) This is a good line from Charlotte. I really liked how, like, the point to the sign led directly to Becky's appearance, like, right underneath the the sign in that direction. I thought that was pretty clever. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it was was a nice visual. Charlotte at this point is just like, she's not just full on heel right now. She's like full on Disney villain right now, <laughs> like complete with evil laughter. Yeah, she's got like the black lipstick now or yeah. like the darker color of lipstick as well. 
yeah. just kind of made her look look more uh, more dastardly. The officials are out trying to stop Becky when Triple H comes out, telling Becky to go home, go see a doctor. And Charlotte is getting into her face. Hunter kicks her out, and Charlotte disappeared. Becky says she doesn't trust Hunter or any of this that's going on. And Hunter goes to leave, and she asks, how's Stephanie doing after I punched her in the face? And the crowd is in love with Becky. Hunter comes back and says she is not the man. She's a self-destructor. She's afraid of failure, and she's a martyr looking for a way out. She got her Survivor Series match with Ronda Rousey and then recklessly showed up on Raw knowing that she'd find a way out of the match by putting herself into danger. It was a suicide mission. And then she blamed everyone else when she got injured, and it was a convenient excuse. And, she, and then Hunter questions if she really has any injury and says, you don't want to go to the doctor because you're scared. You're scared of the truth that the doctor isn't going to tell you that something's wrong with your knee. The doctor's going to tell you your knee is fine and you can go to WrestleMania where Ronda's going to expose you for the fraud that you are. And Becky just slaps Hunter in the face. They have a stare down and then Becky smirks and walks off, leaving through the crowd. I thought Becky and Hunter were both very, very great in their roles. I agree. I mean, this was... This was like Monday, but with Hunter instead of Stephanie in the role. And I thought this came across better because uh, I think Hunter, Hunter's um For, for all dialogue. we say about scripted promos and guys that have a hard time, you know, having tons of dialogue to deliver, he does it pretty effortlessly. And I thought he was great here. He's also somebody who I'm sure has plenty of leeway in creating his own material and, you know, probably... Sure. Doesn't yeah like I don't think but, he's, but he's nonetheless he had, he had a lot to get across here I mean this yeah. was quite well the, he's uh, excellent yeah. yeah so I thought this was like a much more psychological form of opposition than you know we're used to seeing in these type of opening segments it to me like felt like the hunter of old like actually living up to that cerebral assassin moniker but also like the hunter of old I I feel like he might have taken a little too much time to make his points here like I felt that Triple H drag partway through this where I certainly feel like he could have chopped out a minute or two from this speech and would have had the same effect made all his points. But overall, I liked it a lot because what Hunter says has a lot of plausibility. It could be that Becky is actually afraid. I mean, he posed it like a challenge to Lynch, but it also could be a possible criticism. And maybe it's true that Becky's scared and that to me sets up a great story arc for Becky Lynch. Here's Becky Lynch, who all of a sudden one day decides, I'm the man. I'm calling myself the man. But what has she actually done to earn that moniker? Perhaps it is all a front. Perhaps it's overcompensation for a lack of self-esteem. So I think it sets Becky up wonderfully for an actual story where she has to conquer her fears by beating Ronda Rousey so that she can actually earn the moniker of being called the man. Um, I like this a lot. Yeah, I, I took it more so that everyone believes she's hurt. She's not lying to everybody, but this is more Hunter trying to manipulate her into getting her knee checked out, knowing that it's going to be bad news and that Hunter's trying to screw her out of this main event. And I think it would be actually this more conspiracy against her. But I think it would actually be, be more interesting if there was truth to Hunter's words and that Hunter was right. You know, it to me like sets up Ronda as a better babyface, as an underdog going up against Ronda who. 
I think everybody should look at it as being like a really unbeatable challenge for Becky. So that when she finally does beat her, it's a huge moment. I, I see what you're saying. I just, I think the Becky character, you don't want to put, like part of her appeal is her unbreakable confidence in herself. That all these other people doubt her, but she has no doubt in herself. That she believes in, that she is the absolute best. And it's that over the top confidence. And I hate to always compare it to Conor McGregor. It's kind of too easy a comparison, but it's like, you never want to hear Conor McGregor at one of those press conferences concerned that he can't beat his opponent. And I think that they've got a lot of that in Becky as well, that they, they believe in this woman because she is so confident. And that is to me, an excellent, excellent baby face trait is confidence that you don't always see in the, the baby faces. Yeah. I, I think, you know, it's that would be cool too. But like with Connor, like when he lost to like Nate Diaz, I think the rematch in seeing him beat this unbeatable challenge, or even let's go back to like Aldo, you know, he talked big, like, like he could beat Aldo, but everybody saw Aldo as this like unbeatable challenge for him. And that made us all more attracted to Connor McGregor because Aldo, regardless of how I think how Connor positioned it, like felt like somebody that many of us didn't think he had a chance against. And when he did beat him, it made him really feel like the man, you know, I think that we're at the stage now where Ron or where, where, where Becky is, is very boisterous and, and is able to kind of come in with that same confidence that Conor McGregor had, but to solidify her status, she has to beat somebody who I think everybody considers to be unbeatable. And, and Ronda is that person. The, it- you you were saying you felt this one a little too long. Do you think that the slap should have... Because this did have that that WWE trait of you just stand there and take it yeah. for a long period of time, which they do for so many people. And the Becky character, you don't necessarily want to... Can you envision this woman just standing there and not reacting uh, to these words? Did you feel that was an issue at all? Yeah, I mean, I, I just thought like it was, you know, kind of your typical like Triple H drone where I don't know what it is, but like so often, like throughout his entire career, he would come out and deliver these like very long winded 20 minute, 15 minute talking segments and would just lose me. The content of his words is actually really good and his delivery is solid, but I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just like the frequency of, of, of like how just like that sound, you know, I don't know what it is, but I, I, I felt it drag a little bit here. Not that much, but I think it could have been tightened up a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm really nitpicking. I thought this was a really strong segment. I think the stuff mm-hmm. with Becky both nights has been really, really well done. I think that this, this certainly feels like the a program for WrestleMania that they have all of their focus, uh, on, on leading this to WrestleMania. And I think they've got a really great story on their hands. Yeah. I think Charlotte, Two sounded good here. Um, you know, I felt like she she's certainly like getting more comfortable with the heel role. Maybe she might have laid it on a little too thick here. I could have done perhaps without the evil laugh. Um, but I think it's an improvement. I find it interesting that they're like dangling over the audience audience's head so much that uh, she could possibly face Rhonda, like knowing that the audience does not want to see that at all. So like they're she's almost like they're po- they're po- posing Charlotte as the obstacle standing in be- in the in between Ronda and Becky. I was very surprised that they didn't solidify something for Charlotte at 
Elimination Chamber on this show. And I mean, we're, we're coming out of this. We have one episode left of Raw and SmackDown, and we've got three matches for the show. Right. Because at this point, Becky doesn't have a match. Oscar doesn't have a match. Um, what, Ronda might be facing Ruby Riot. Yeah. I mean, you have a few things that have been teased, but nothing like Charlotte. I, I don't know where they're going with her. Mm. And they yeah, might not I, be just, I, I expected more to be set up tonight. And beyond this first segment, like sometimes I will watch SmackDown and, you know, it's a good show. And then I've got to write the description for our, for our podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that, you know, beyond that opening segment, I, I can't say like there was a ton of stuff that happened on this show. Mm-hmm. I thought so. the Brian stuff was, I mean, we'll talk about it. First match was Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev against Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Lana is still in her walking boot. So Rusev's wife has a broken ankle and he has lost his title to this man that he is now teaming up with uh, nine days after this all went down at the Royal Rumble. Nakamura and Rusev argue early on, allowing Anderson to roll up Rusev for a two count. And then Anderson hit a somersault to the floor. Nakamura then goes for the Kinshasa after the break, and gets hit with a spine buster. Gallows and Rusev are tagged in, and Nakamura is down on the floor, so Lana starts shouting at Nakamura to get up, and she takes her shoe off. She's just screaming at Nakamura, who runs into the ring, stops the magic killer onto Rusev. He takes out Gallows. Anderson lays out Nakamura, and then Rusev connects with the Machka kick, pinning Anderson, and Corey Graves compares Nakamura and Rusev to the New England Patriots with Lana playing Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. I um, I really hate the drastic character changes here with Rusev and Lana. I think, you know, last week maybe I gave them a bit of a pass, hoping that they would follow up with an explanation. We got nothing here. We got no answers for um, why Rusev and Lana are suddenly teaming up with a person who's been causing Lana harm over the past several uh, month. Lana in this match just seem- seemingly reverts Back to her evil screaming self. No, like, just a sudden change in character. No explanation for exactly why this is happening. I'm not a fan of drastic turns like this with no care given for explanation. Um, And the match itself, I just thought, was a very nothing match. No, Rusev felt much colder this week. And I think this is... Yeah, I I don't like this team at all. And mm-hmm. by the end of it, it felt like we're going to be doing the the reluctant partners deal with the two of them. But they're heels. Yeah. Like, that's usually, like, maybe two baby faces who can't get along. But whatever. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll end up as baby faces at the end of it. Oh, who knows? I'm, I'm very uninterested in any, any of the, the people involved in this. I'm actually a lot more interested in R-Truth as a U.S. champion. And I'm disappointed we didn't get anything with him. No, no R-Truth on the show. Mustafa Ali was backstage. He said no one expects him to survive Randy Orton or the Elimination Chamber. But he asks, what if? So, Dean Ambrose, maybe he was asking the wrong person if they're a Creed fan. Are you familiar with their song, What If? What If? I, I don't know that one. What if? They love asking questions. What's this what life if? for? Um, Creed, Creed left people with lots of questions. Yeah. Why are you all suing us in a class action lawsuit for our performance? That was one question they Did had. Did that happen? Yes. Scott Stapp, I believe, was a... Uh, well, you can, you can look up the case. Class action lawsuit, Creed. I think it was around 2002. He survives. Uh, he said, what if he survives and he becomes WWE champion? I'm going to have that goddamn song in my head now for the rest of this show. Then we had my favorite moment of SmackDown. 
Paige is seated in a, on a set backstage. And she thanks everyone for not forgetting her. Now, when she said that last night, it was because she walked out and got a great pop. This, she was seated backstage by herself. <laughs> and she said that <laughs> she's got an upcoming movie about her family. And I have a clip that I think you will find very interesting. This was word for word her promo from Raw Monday night, just done in a different city. Was it exactly? backstage. Was it, it was. Ex- it was word for word, dude. Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, I think I'm disappointed. Uh, I think everybody's disappointed that she doesn't have a bigger role on TV. I mean, forget the movie. I think you know she she was great as a GM, and I think like after the McMahon's all of a sudden came in, we were expecting how they were going to rebrand her into a different role. I I I didn't expect her necessarily necessarily to get something right away, but. Certainly by the time the movie comes out, we expected something. And by this point, the movie's coming. She's here to promote it. And she's not getting anything more than just a script to say, hey, glad you didn't forget about me. I have a movie coming out. It's about my life and my family. Did I, did I do it all? I have a clip that I feel you will find very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So Can you imagine? Can you imagine spending a whole day traveling, getting onto an airplane, well, and arriving in a foreign city to deliver 30 words tops. I'm expecting this to have been filmed last night. I hope it was. Yeah. But still, she got on a plane to deliver that first one on Monday. Yeah. I guess she got two takes. So It does nothing to make me interested in watching this I, movie. I've seen this trailer so many times. I'm kind of like not that interested to see the movie after but, seeing this trailer so many times. But Rotten Tomatoes. It's got good reviews. Um, Has it? Fighting with my family. Let me tell you what it's rated right I'll, now. I'll tell you the, the scene I don't need to ever see again in my life is, is The Rock cutting the promo on the two of them. Clearly, like, that was the only scene with The Rock in it. And they had to kind of, like, use it in all of their publicity. Um, like, There's that one and the one where Rock calls the father. I, I think he's in probably two scenes. Maybe, maybe. But uh, 88% Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. It's pretty good. And that's probably all critics as well that have mm-hmm. seen it. Well, so I will go I watch see it, it at some point. That's all they can say. That's all they have to say. They, they should be promoting that fact. It's got 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. That makes me more inclined than this trailer. Do you think they're ma- – is this a WWE production? Yes, it's them and uh, and Dwayne Johnson's production yeah. company together. Yeah. Hmm. No, I expected is- better integration for, for, for this uh, uh, movie. Maybe um, Paige accepts a match, and then it's the uh, the actress that ends up performing, playing Paige right. on the show. With Zelina Vega as AJ Lee? <laughs> yes. They plug that next week we are going to get McMiz TV with Miz and Shane McMahon interviewing the Usos. I was very disappointed we're not getting a rap battle. <laughs> Shane McMahon rapping. Hmm. That would be something, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, it would be. The Usos cut a promo backstage. They mentioned how Shane and Miz call themselves the best tag team in the world. But that is who they are. The Usos. And they are different. They know how to struggle and starve together. Jimmy says, I'm my brother's keeper. Are you? And the cameraman didn't give us an answer. Randy Orton versus Mustafa Ali. Ali didn't get an entrance. 
Orton cut a promo from earlier. He said he is not going to bother learning Mustafa Ali's name. Mm-hmm. He's just like the hundreds of opponents he's faced. They are prey. So he will not know names or faces at the Elimination Chamber. All he can hear is pain. Wow. I was ready to play this video game. This felt like one of those generic promos. I'm not even going to learn this man's name. Resident Evil, maybe. Resident Randy himself. Uh, He dumped Ali onto the announcer's desk at the start and then hit a power slam. Superplex. He's destroying Ali, but he kicks out and Orton is stunned. Then they go to the floor. Ali blocks a follow-up suplex onto the desk and he lands a drop kick and then dives over the desk onto Orton, hits him with super kicks in the ring, rolling face buster. And then Ali is perched on the turnbuckle and he fakes to come off and Randy sets up for an RKO in midair, but Ali has outsmarted Randall and hits him with a tornado DDT. Great spot. Mm-hmm. And then he climbs up for the 054, but Orton at first, I'm thinking, oh my God, is Randy that delusional to think that he can hit this RKO in midair with the 054? They had a much smarter idea where he just pulled out Ollie's legs off the turnbuckle into the RKO and pinned him. I thought this turned into a really good match. I did too. That finish was really cool. Um, I think Orton works really well with in these types of scenarios with like smaller opponents like a Rey Mysterio or or like an Evan Bourne. And I think Ali certainly like falls in line with that type. Ali, I think, is just great in the mix on the main roster. He is like if they're looking for Davids to their Goliaths, like he is a perfect David type. So I'm really glad that they, that they cast somebody from 205 Live in him for this role, rather than you know going outside or even to NXT. I loved the RKO fakeout that they did. It made Ali look really cool, outsmarting the person who typically outsmarts other people. And that finish, I think you can add to like that highlight reel of great RKOs out of nowhere. It was so simple, but very creative and just, it was awesome. Now, did you see Mustafa Ali's uh, injury after this match? I didn't. He uh, put up a photo and his left eye is completely swollen shut uh, from this match. I don't know what the exact spot was. But he suffered, like, his eye is completely shut. So did he have this, like, for the final um, uh, brawl at the end? Uh, I guess he did. I didn't notice it, yeah. but uh, he did on Instagram. He posted this. If you go to Mustafa uh, mm-hmm, Ali's Instagram, check out the after effects of facing Randy Orton. Ouch. Yeah, looks uh, not fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, last week we talked about how, like, bad Ali looked in that like a little promo exchange, how he just got like punked by everybody, including Orton and Joe for cutting him off. Um, He lost here. I thought he looked cool in the match, but I I think it's time he gets big wins. Like I know they like to do this underdog thing, but if he spends too much time being the underdog, people are just going to just like not take him seriously at all. So he's certainly not winning the chamber, but I hope that they give him some strong TV wins soon. Then after the match, Samoa Joe showed up out of nowhere, and he placed Orton into the Coquina Clutch. Then he attacked Ali, and this prompted Daniel Bryan to walk down the aisle. Joe goes up to Bryan, but he's cut off by Eric Rowan, who gets in between them. I'm sorry, Rowan, the yeah. recycler. So he kept his last name. Dropped the Correct, name. yes, yeah. Uh, Eric. <laughs> Daniel Bryan and 
Eric. <laughs> Samoa Joe cut a promo backstage, and he says, physics in his world work differently. For every action, there is an opposite and overwhelming reaction. And I was waiting for AJ Styles to come in and debate science with him. <laughs> it was he like says, a... Oh, sorry, please. Finish. No, that was it. He, uh, yeah. Well, it was like a big promo kind of like run on style similar to like what he did last week that got over so well with the audience um and i felt like joe throughout the night was like positioned as a big baby face he came in to deliver like shocking attacks to people and usually to like tremendous applause so like it kind of feels like to me that he might have actually just turned like like uh, as a cool badass baby face he's getting there like he's like that promo last week, like every week, there's very little to boo about this guy. Mm-hmm. Although, um, you know, they, they've definitely cooled it off since the Jeff Hardy uh, program where it was clearly a heel role. And now you're right. Like he's just this cool ass kicker. Yeah. Um, he went on to say at Elimination Chamber, it will be about devastation and justification for his means because the ends will be him raising the title in the air. Uh, this guy's like, I, I don't know what his consecutive great promos, uh, number is at, but it's a high number. It's tough for him to, to have a bad promo now. He's like in that territory of like guys like Heyman who are just like, like it's, it's, it would be out of the ordinary to hear something bad from him. Yeah. No, him and Brian and Heyman. Those are your three that are just doing X ex- and Becky, Becky, I put in there as well. Brian and Rowan are in the ring and you know, I guess they had the same assumption I did that Brian was going to be cheered loudly in Washington, and they really didn't fight this. You had Brian referring, uh, he had Greg Hamilton introduce him as the favorite son of Washington, and everyone's chanting for him. And Brian says, Finally, I get to speak to the people that understand what I'm trying to do. The people of Washington are intelligent, and we need change. Unfortunately, I have to speak to a global audience. So you. They didn't do the, you know, build up the hometown people and then you do the the uh, the dramatic turn on them. He just, you know, he played to them and then he said, but fuck the rest of the world. Yeah. No, it's, I was expecting the turn to come at some point here as he was building this crowd up, but that never came. Uh, it, it, it felt a lot like Bret Hart in Canada and the Hart Foundation in Canada where he's in his home territory and he... Um, caters towards that audience while to a global audience um, they're making it feel like you know he's with the enemy and he's surrounded by other enemy like enemy allies yeah I was surprised they did it this way like there is plenty of material like the guy moved away he could have brought up some pollution stat in Washington like there were ways you could have done it I was kind of interested that they they didn't go that way and I don't think it really hurts the character at all by the end of it like he still feels like a real heel you know, to everybody watching the show, um, I think they were going to cheer Brian regardless. And I I thought this was cool, like an actually creative and unique way of, of presenting a heel in, a, in his hometown. He runs down the people who eat their deep fried carcasses and he shows off his belt, which is a, the new symbol for people to rally around. The old title was a symbol of excellence, but also a symbol of excess. Do you, do you Rowan, feel the same way? Do you feel the same way about the hemp belt a week later? Have you have you changed your opinion at all? 
listen, I uh, a lot of people disagreed with my opinion last week. I I stand by that I I think that the idea is sound. It's a great heel uh, mechanism. I don't know if it's if it's a, a top main event um idea. I'll tell you what was like hilarious to me. It was like when he threw to this uh Elimination Chamber highlight video and it was just like all these brutal scenes of like pre- previous Elimination Chambers uh set to this like really epic music and then it would flash in like shots of this hemp WWE <laughs> championship in in the midst of it all. I found it so funny. Like that is the final prize that these people are going to kill themselves for. Well, there you go. And I think that there is a certain like Daniel Bryan is awesome as this character. He's and making it he's making it a serious title like with with yes. promos like this. Yeah. Yeah, but I I feel that it's still um to me it feels like like you're you're judging this guy on the same level as the title that Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins are fighting over. So I I just feel it's a great idea, but I don't feel it's it's a main event level uh, gimmick. I mean, it's arguable though. I think a lot a lot of people would say that they have more interest in this title than Brock Lesnar's. Um, perhaps I like. I'm not saying Brian is not over that it's um that it's not working for for its role. Um. I, I'm just not crazy about it as, you know, the main title. Like, there's – take out Becky and Ronda from the mix. There's no way anyone is believing this is this is headlining. And that goes beyond just the belt. Mm-hmm. I think that that's just the positioning of where this this championship is on SmackDown, regardless of how it looks. Sure, sure. Rowan is given the microphone. He cites Galileo and says that they are considered dangerous because – of their ideas, but they have good intentions and that's why they're feared. And Daniel Bryan with the line of the promo, how dare you? What my good friend Rowan? Yeah. The crowd does not respect Rowan at all. Um, I feel like there's a reason why we barely heard him speak in like however many years he's been on the roster. He's a very soft spoken guy. Uh, I would say like, at least in this incarnation, in this appearance, not all that charismatic. So, I, I, all I know about him right now is that he reads a lot. Like, that seems to be the character. He loves recycling and reading. And but, wine. Yeah, sure. Brian says the suits have never wanted him to be champion, and it's led to this Elimination Chamber match, and throws to the video that Way mentioned, and says all his opponents want to go back to the leather strap, go back to the past. The planet needs the new Daniel Bryan as WWE champion. And backstage, Jeff Hardy just shakes his head at all of this. He's interviewed by Kayla and says it makes him sick as a former champion. And no one has disrespected the title like Daniel Bryan. And he's he's going to make him shut up. And he's interrupted by AJ Styles, who walks in and asks, Are you the right guy to represent this legacy? Hardy says, You had your chance. You couldn't beat Daniel Bryan. If you had won at the Rumble, we wouldn't have this problem. And they say they're going to finish this problem inside of the chamber. And yeah, the other note about AJ Styles is that apparently the injury he's dealing with uh, was a hernia. But based on tonight, I mean, he was obviously uh, doing physicality on the show. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So maybe not cleared for a match, but maybe cleared for physicality. Well, it's 
it's kind of one in the same. Like if they're if the, if he's allowed to do what they allowed him to do in the final segment, I I feel that that's um yeah I I mean he seemed to get pretty involved in that segment, but uh, obviously if he's dealing with something like a hernia, there was no need to put him in a match tonight. Like that was not necessary at all. Yeah, but did miss the house shows this past weekend. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel bad for Jeff because like. Like, part of this character now is just, like, having his drug problems brought up all the time, you know, as ammunition. For yeah, like, it, was a, it was a bit of a dick line from AJ. Yeah, totally. You know, I think it's one thing for Joe to do it in, a, in like, uh, as part of a program. But for AJ to just throw it out here, come on. I kind of feel bad for Jeff at this point. Always having this stuff brought up on TV. Um, Brian, I I really loved Brian's promo. I, I think It was very good. He gets better every single week. Like... Saying how the old WWE title was a symbol of excellence, but it's also a symbol of excess. I thought th- those lines were great. I I think he's taken this like gimmick that can often border on mid card comedy, but he was able to turn it into like some real serious motivation for why he never wants to let go of this title. He says like, um, you know, other people. He looks at all his other opponents as people who want to bring back the past, whereas he wants to maintain change. And this symbol, this belt, represents change. So you can't take it away from me. The planet needs me. I I think that type of like deranged logic is so awesome for a heel to have. Like to me, Brian's right now, like he's hitting his groove in this new character. I think it might be the most entertaining he's been in his entire WWE run. Where I will walk back, my initial impression last week is that after seeing all the various like different photos of this belt and seeing it, I, I the look of this belt, like it, it is really a very nice belt. There's already a replica they sh- they showed in the front. They, they row. showed, yeah. I I don't know if they're selling them, but they, definitely there was they cut away to one fan who had a replica in the in the crowd. Hemp belt replica. I wonder if like they should be sale. selling those immediately. Those will sell tremendously well. How much would you pay for one? Nothing, but um, <laughs> the average fan, um, I don't know. I, I could never fathom some of the people that have spent you know $300 on these replicas. I mean, this one, I, I think you should sell them like for like 30, 40 bucks and just mass produce them. 40 bucks? You know how much wood costs I know, costs so you're going to gonna tell me something crazy. Oh my god, of course that wouldn't it wouldn't cost that. But it's it's not on Shop Zone right now, I'm sure or WWE Shop, I mean. I'm sure they're in the process of trying to create figure out how to how to make this thing. Let's see. Maybe uh what are you looking for? I w- I was just searching WWE hemp belt replica. Yeah, I I looked. It's not there. Oh, I Oh, it's just the Yeah. You got to make your own, John. Go chop hey, chop down a I'm- tree. The world championship belt, like the old uh, NWA title, oh. uh, marked down from four hundred and fifty-two dollars to three hundred and sixty-two Canadian. Well, that's a steal, and it's in Stockway. How many should I get you? Hey, man, we put. We, let's come on. We all have our weird things that we. You can you can order up to fifteen of these titles at once. The Divas Championship, John, is is uh, marked down from five hundred dollars Canadian to three hundred dollars Canadian. By the way, when Jeff Hardy said that, you know, no one's disrespected the title as much as <laughs> Daniel it. Bryan, did everyone just go back to 2010 and that piece of garbage he used to wear into the impact zone as he smoked a cigarette? He had the ugliest title ever, that purple one. 
Oh, it was terrible. Yeah, maybe oh, the God, worst the belt. The ugliest of, thing in the world. The worst belt of all time. I mean, that, that but, the, but the answer to that question is, you know, how many people were watching at the time? It, it instantly came back to me because that is my go-to. It's the worst-looking championship in the history of title belts. It's pretty, Worse it's pretty, than the butterfly title. The worst. The worst. It's pretty bad, yeah. Carmella and Naomi were announced as the final team. What what drama? The, the, these SmackDown was the brand to be on for these teams to get into this. Like, didn't have to do any heavy lifting at all. You pretty much just had to, like, write your name down. You're in. I guess it just comes down to, like, how many people are on the roster, right? Like, on, on each roster. And there must be a lot more women on Raw than men. Yeah. So Carmella and Naomi took on the Iconics and Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. First, we had a Carmella-Naomi promo. Naomi called Mandy's promo on her ridiculous regarding the Tough Enough segment. And they have formed Fabulous Glow. And they are the final team in the chamber. The Iconics cut a promo on WWE.com that they've gone through a lot, worked their butts off to get here, and then they laugh as they uh, check out the tag titles ringside. And this then was, Kayla. This was a serious promo from the Iconics. I mean, yeah, they were did, doing like a babyface promo, and then they had to revert to their heel characters at the end. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, they're typically two people who just come out and make fun of people. But this week, they were like talking as if you know we've been working really hard and we really want these belts. And then Kayla interviewed Mandy and Sonya Deville, and stated that Naomi and Carmella are a newly formed tag team. They're in over their heads. For the Iconics, you don't laugh your way to victory. They are no fire and desire. Their new team name. Yeah, so we have and, the so we have the Iconics, we have Fabulous Glow, and we have Fire and Desire. And Rose tells them to step aside and mentions that Naomi has never pinned her. Mm-hmm. Quite the streak. I feel really bad for Sonya Deville because like anytime she comes out with Mandy Rose. Mandy Rose has that blurry background effect. So Sonya is just always blurred out whenever she comes out with her. Like she, She's like Christopher Daniels. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Daniels' mouth, yeah. Like she literally fades into the background. Well, that'll be her, her impetus behind the attack eventually. Sure. Na- Naomi chased after Mandy, then head kicked DeVille and hit an enziguri off the rope. Runs Peyton Royce into Rose, which constituted a tag. So Naomi got her hands on Rose, hit Royce with a rear view, and this allowed Rose to capitalize, sneaking up and hitting her uh, her double underhook slam, or maybe playing off the Christopher Daniels, uh, her own version of the Angel's Wings for the win. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And Corey Graves compared this win to Hulk Hogan beating Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3. Okay. I thought the match, like much of it was just very sloppy and I think showed off the inexperience of many of the performers. But I, I think in terms of a spotlight for Naomi, uh, you know, the biggest baby face in the match, I think Naomi looked great. That story with Mandy Rose, as corny as, as it has been, in the context of a match, I'm talking about the rumble and I'm talking about the interaction here. The audience recognizes the grudge that exists between those two and they want to see Naomi get her hands on Mandy. Yeah. I don't know. I am... I am I am willing to be proven wrong, but I I don't know how this chamber match is going to fare. It's it's tough. Like I think it it, it will be very tough. Like in these types of structures, because you're missing your some of your strongest performers. I mean, I remember I'm trying to think back to last year's. How did you like? Do you remember how last year's went? 
Did they? Did they? They had a women's one. Yeah. It was the the singles match. So yeah. it was. Let's pull it up here. Elimination Chamber 2018. Okay, so we had our chamber match consisted of Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Mickey James, Bailey, Sasha Banks, and Alexa Bliss, and they went almost 30 minutes. I think you have a, like that. Just mm. I guess you have a lot of those kind of same names here, but you're also going to have a lot more bodies in this in this one a lot more inexperience in this one mm. yeah we'll okay. see we'll see you're gonna have double the people in the in this one yeah um we'll see i i think this is one of those matches that's going to need to be heavily laid out ahead of time um and just just needs to be a really well produced and executed match and i i think there's going to be no comparison to the men's match we'll see Andrade cut a promo with Zelina Vega, calling Rey Mysterio a folk story and a fable. And Zelina recapped Andrade's attack on him last week, and they are going to end Rey Mysterio. Yep. Video on Asuka, and they asked, who is going to step up to face her? Don't know. Man, there's been, like, nothing from her as of late, you know? She's the champion, but, like, hasn't appeared. I think it's probably because they haven't really figured out like she doesn't have a match, I guess, at, at the at elimination chamber. Who do you um, who do you even put her with? Like it doesn't fit to do Charlotte. No, I don't. I wouldn't give it away for nothing right now. I think that's a match you can. Well, they've done it on TV, I, I guess. Um, I don't know honestly. Um, I don't know if there's a reason for her to be on right now, and I think so much of it is like maybe due to them not necessarily knowing how to portray her without her cutting an actual promo. I thought this video was actually a good solution for that. But you can't do it every single week. Like I would love to see Paige in this role to to provide you know a mouthpiece for for Oscar. I think it'd be good for both of them. Then Daniel Bryan took on Jeff Hardy, non-title match. Corey Graves, his night of comparisons continued with comparing Daniel Bryan to Che Guevara. Jeff Hardy was on the steps. Bryan tripped them up to set up the commercial. Worked over the left arm, and then Byron Saxton explained that there is nothing wrong with wanting to save the planet, but there is something wrong by attempting to be the judge and jury on every single member of the audience. That's actually beautifully, beautifully laid out for why we should dislike this person. Byron the uh, gets the game ball. Yeah. Twist of fate gets stopped. Brian sent him to the floor. Hardy clotheslined him off the apron, rolled Brian in, went for the swanton, but Brian got out of the way. And then he kicked the rope into Hardy's face, delivers the kicks. Hardy ducks one, twist of fate, climbs up. He hit the swanton. And as he goes for the cover, Rowan lifted the trash out of the ring and recycled Jeff Hardy for the disqualification. Mm-hmm. Two DQs in a row on Raw and SmackDown. Well, this one, this one I think is a lot more in line with, you know, the, 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 the other DQs that I've seen in pro wrestling in my lifetime. That one on Monday, I just, I have no explanation for it. That's one of the, the stupidest I've seen. Um, I didn't hit the finish here. You know, I don't think Brian can afford a loss right now. Jeff, like, certainly, like, he could lose, but I don't think it even matters. Like, to me, there's nothing really gained by either man winning here. So, I, I, didn't, I didn't have issue with any of this. So, afterwards, Hardy gets sent into the steps. Brian applies the LaBelle lock. And Joe attacks Rowan, breaks up the submission by putting Brian in the coquina clutch. Orton runs in, attacking Joe. Then Ali shows up with a double drop kick to Joe and Orton, and then dives onto Joe on the floor. 
And this was more impressive after knowing what his eye was like. And then Eric Rowan grabs Ali with the claw channeling Fritz von Eric, lifts up and slams Ali through the desk. This is my favorite move. The claw is great. Oh. It's awesome. Did, Vit, did did Fritz used to do it like a choke slam? No, he would just, you know, put it on the guy's face. And this, was, this, this was almost like, like a crush with the head vice. A little bit, yeah. I so love this. It. Was uh, I, I like this? It suits Rowan's character. Recite claw. Reduce, reuse. That. Yeah, I I can't think of it. AJ's music plays. He comes out. He fights Orton. Sliding knee to Joe. Phenomenal forearm onto Hardy. What? Watching this sequence and all this guy did. Do you remember that twenty four we watched? And he revealed that last summer he was dealing. I want to say a groin injury that no one knew about. Do you remember this? I don't remember it, but remember it he's sounds... getting worked on on the trainer's table, and he's explaining yes. he's dealing. I I want to say it was like a hamstring or a groin injury, and it's right. like, man, the matches this guy was doing, like that crazy match with Nakamura last summer. Anyway, I'm watching this, and it's like this this guy's dealing with like or just dealt with a hernia, and he's doing a phenomenal forearm. He's doing all this offense. It's nuts, and he stands alone in the ring, and there was like several minutes left in the show. And we go backstage. Kayla is with a very irate Daniel Bryan and Rowan. And he screams at Kayla, asks, why are you here? He says he's the best and the greatest. Rowan is not his bodyguard. He's his intellectual peer. And everyone interfered in his match. He will be the champion forever because that's what the planet needs. And we go back. AJ's just hanging out in the ring. And it just felt like they were killing time until the end of this show. Mm -hmm. And then finally ended. It's, it happens with SmackDown sometimes, where they just, like, end with a lot of time to spare, it seems. Better than the opposite, right? Uh, I guess so, yeah. yeah. It just felt like this was a little off at the end. But, yeah, that was SmackDown. I thought that the the highlight was the first 15 minutes of the show. And, you know, an easy-to-watch to show. Uh, I just thought that there's there's all these little, like, feuds that are going on, but not a whole lot of um, direction for the pay-per-view. Well, I think for this one, all the direction you, you should be focused on is is the chamber match, mm -hmm. right? And I thought the main event was very strong. I think Brian's work was excellent. Um, I think their goal is, unfortunately, with things like the chamber, often it just results in like, hey, everybody's going to be in this match and everybody hates each other. So you're not going to get as much kind of personal rivalry until maybe afterwards. So I feel like most of their intent is just showing who's in the match and reminding you that Ali, uh, Orton, Joe, Jeff, uh, Brian, AJ are all going to be in that match. And to that, and I thought that, I thought it was successful. But uh, I'm with you. I thought uh, the Becky Triple H stuff was fantastic. I like this one better than Monday, and uh, I really like Brian's promo. I think he's on fire right now. He's doing great stuff. So that was SmackDown. Let us go and see what everyone had to say about tonight's show at forum.postwrestling.com. Tonight's poll on a scale of 1 to 10. Tonight's episode of SmackDown, I imagine you went higher than a 4, which was the rating of Raw. Mm -hmm. A 4.68, I believe. Yeah. I'll go 7. 6.5. Cool. All right. Tim from Alabama writes, first off, I have a question for John and Way. If you guys could have any wrestler in Lego minifigure form, who would it be? Oh, this is a question for me. I don't know why you That's want to a ask question John for you. about this. Uh, I am an expert, everybody. 
I don't know exactly what exactly that means. Um, like, are we talking about parts count? You know, who would have the most unique pieces? Are we talking about like uh, uh, side printing? You know, dual molded legs. Oh my god. <laughs> I would love to have... I think... You know what? Jeff Hardy would be great. Okay. He looks weird. He's going to have, like, you know, a lot of different colors on his uh, thing. Because uh, I think a guy like a Daniel Bryan would just look a little bit bland, you know? What about a Nakamura? Oh, yeah, he's great. You know, on that note, there's a person who actually makes custom Lego minifigures of professional wrestlers. Um, I wish I could bring bring her up right now. Uh, wrestling minifigures, but like she does like awesome, awesome work. Um, God, I wish. Why don't you read the next piece of feedback? Is or well, he has more to say here. So Tim writes, "Uh, what a difference a night makes. SmackDown was head and shoulders better than Raw last night. We got a great back and forth promo from Hunter and Becky. The Club Good Brothers versus Knock America Day was surprisingly good. Orton and Ali and Brian and Hardy's matches were both good and pushed towards Elimination Chamber." If Brian does retain inside the chamber, would you rather his WrestleMania opponent be Mysterio, or do you think Brian versus Ali for the title could be a possible show-stealing match? Seven, what's best for the planet promos out of ten? Uh, well, I don't think either Mysterio or Ali are going to be Brian's opponents at WrestleMania. I would 100% love to see Brian and Mysterio at WrestleMania. That would be my choice. I think it would be excellent. I think it would be a dream for Brian to get to face Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania. I think it would be outstanding that would be hands down my pick on smackdown at the well, moment that would be my pick too that would also be my pick for a, a wrestling minifigure i think a, a ray mysterio figure would be excellent you'd have like a little mask piece it's it would be great by the way the instagram account of that person who makes custom uh not just lego minifigures but action figures her name is asui 88 a-s-s-u-i-88 and she does some fantastic work like she, i'm looking at this account she's got like diy in lego minifigure form complete with belts she's got a collection of like minoru suzuki custom heads that she makes so if you're a nerd like me check it all out oh my turn sorry yes i thought you were just stunned Eric from Sudbury, I really enjoyed the match between Mustafa Ali and Randy Orton tonight, and it got me thinking about Randy Orton's current role in the company. He seems to have been transitioning to an upper mid-card role for the past couple of years, and the last time he was in the main event picture was that abysmal feud with Jinder Mahal. Despite this, he's probably the only full-time performer any of my non-wrestling fans know by name, and with star power being a serious problem in the WWE right now, specifically on Raw, do you think putting him back in a more prominent position, perhaps on Monday nights, would be a benefit to the product? I think his popularity is sometimes undervalued amongst my age group and younger. I think Randy Orton's in a good spot at the moment. I, I would not I would not put him into a top position. I think he's at a good spot right now where he's kind of second from the top on SmackDown. He's a heel that you can put into a top position if necessary. And, you know, he's over to a level. I I really like Randy Orton a lot. I know some people... he. Uh, they're not uh, he's he is not their their preference but i i think he's a really talented guy great timing i think he's got a lot of great kind of match structure typically and i i i like the role he's in at the moment they've kind of kind of taken a few steps back with him since the the heel turn when he was doing the stuff with jeff but i mean he's he's always just one angle away from being in something prominent if you need someone to call upon maybe i'm still kind of like 
you know, reeling from maybe the Bray Wyatt feud, but I I just I still remember Randy Orton kind of in the title mix and I'm I'm not interested to see him back there. And I don't think it's any permanent solution. I think you're in a position right now where you should be building your younger stars and putting the belt back on somebody like Orton or even having him take up any of those main events, I I just don't think is conducive to necessarily, you know, giving more spotlight to your other people who should be getting that time. Um, I see his role now as, you know, somebody to get over your your younger stars, people like Mustafa Ali. So, you know, in that sense, I was a little bit disappointed by, I think, the result tonight. But also, I think he should be kept strong so that when an Ali beats him eventually, that it means something. But I, I wouldn't have him be champion. But that's just my personal preference. Andrew from Cape Breton. Tonight was interesting. I don't know how I feel about the Becky Lynch stuff. When Triple H come out, came out, I looked at my Twitter timeline and I saw a pattern. The word dad. I know you guys made the same statements about Triple H and Stephanie regarding being Seth Rollins' parents, and I think that's what I had a problem with. It's almost accepted that these are the important people and these are their children. And poor Charlotte, you have this person who could potentially be in the main event of WrestleMania being told to stay out of it, as if her and Becky were two sisters arguing. It seems like they're trying to get Becky over as this rebel, but it's still in the context of them being parents, and Becky just happens to be a rebellious teenager instead of a star. Overall, though, decent show. The matches were good, but it just feels that not many people are all that over on SmackDown. I also wish that instead of Fire and Desire, Sonya and Mandy would use the old team name of Vicious and Delicious. I did not feel that with Becky. I thought in both cases, while that was a concern going in, I thought she held her own very much and stood up to both of them. And it was the opposite of some of the segments we've seen with Hunter and Stephanie. I didn't feel it so much with Becky, but I felt it with Charlotte. And, you know, what Andrew was referencing was like when she when Triple H told right. Charlotte to stay out of it. I didn't think that was necessary. And I thought, yeah, it did make it seem like, you know, these were just pesky children that dad was here to like, you know, uh, control. And I, I I think you could do without a lot of that. Like, you know, you go back to authority figures from the past. And could you see like a Jack Tunney telling, you know, uh, Brett and Sean to stay out of it as he addresses like diesel I, well it's different roles right i but, mean it's it's a similar role but it's but i think also, i think authority figures should ultimately feature the wrestlers and look towards the wrestlers as like the stars and the important people of of the show um it does not help a person's star power if you have for instance like you have dana coming out and telling like demetrius johnson hey stay out of it shut up you know even though he probably would do that Oh, my turn. Sorry. Brandon from Oshawa. I love Becky right now, but she really needs to start laying in her shots a bit better. I get that Hunter and Steph are her bosses, so maybe she was a bit more hesitant, but her punches on Steph and then the slap tonight on Hunter looked incredibly weak. Those are the type of things that will make take me out of this story if she continues like that. I feel like the women's tag division is a waste of time. They can't even get the men's tag division right. Why should I believe they can do it right with the women? There are five incredible incred- teams in the in the elimination chamber. I don't see Naomi and Carmella staying together long-term. Sasha and Bailey probably won't either. Io and Kyrie will probably come up soon, but there is no one else to build this division around. Well, you do have both shows, though. So that is one now, positive. That how's that going to work? Are they, are they going to be traveling champions? I mean, we're going to see after Elimination Chamber. I think you have to go back and forth. You don't have the depth to keep the titles on one show. Um yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they don't know. Oh, dear. Brandon from New Jersey. 
My dearest city TVs. What a weird channel that is. <laughs> Why do you gents watch it? Anywho, this has nothing to do with SmackDown or the Arctic Frost in Peterborough. Double. Anywho, great show again from the okay. Road Dog after he recovered from his beating last night. So what I gathered... From- I, I read that word for word of how... That was constructed. Now, from what I've gathered is it's that Brandon, who lives in New Jersey, has somehow acquired the means to watch a local Canadian television station, specifically Toronto television station known as City TV. And um, I I I never hear of people trying to get Canadian stations. Uh, Yeah. You know, you always hear about, you know, Canadians trying to get American stations, but not vice versa. I just... I don't know the last time I watched City TV. I don't even know the last time I really watched like TV outside of wrestling. So I I don't I can't really say. All right, he's got some meanderings. Here is hoping Mustafa's okay. Been enjoying his work. Unfortunate he got his eyes shut like that. Thoughts on ESPN and its two million subs since the UFC arrived. Should be a threat at the Mundials. We did talk about that. Way John mean? should be a threat at the Mundials. Uh I have uh I don't know what that means. <laughs> Way and John didn't know you had a call in line for the cafe. I may have to use my rotary phone and speak into existence to you chaps. Brandon, I cannot wait. The red carpet is out for you to call in to the cafe hangout on Thursday. <laughs> Why do you guys watch city TV? I'm out of here. Peace. Okay. Paul from New Jersey. Finally, how great would it be if Daniel Bryan was a baby face in the Pacific Northwest and a heel everywhere else and an homage to Brett circa 97. <laughs> I, I don't think that would have quite the uh, the effect of uh, Bret Hart having a country behind him versus uh, a state that they run how many times a year? No, it wouldn't be the same. Um, but I mean, like, I guess I, I, I was never aware that the Pacific Northwest were, were so pro, like, environment. Um, is that even a thing? The environment? Um, no, meaning like like you know the people in that area being really for causes uh, relating to the environment, or is that not even what? I mean, what they brought us Starbucks. They have that to uh, hang their hat on as well. What does well. that have to do with the environment? Uh, I'm just saying, it's green. Mm. Okay. All right, on to the double shot. All right, we're gonna wrap this show up, but we are gonna be back with the double shot momentarily. Uh, we have lots to discuss on that show. Uh, and as Brandon mes- me- messaged, messaged, mentioned, it's late already. Uh, we will be back on Thursday with the Cafe Hangout live at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. You can call in. You can Skype in. And we're going to be joined by Brandon Howard on that show. So if you're a double-double or higher member of the Cafe, tune in Thursday. That'll be a lot of fun. Anything else, Way? No, that's uh, that's that's all. Join us on the Double Shot in the Cafe, where we'll be talking about uh, WWE's World's Collide Tournament, um, MLW's uh, latest offering, which I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on, John, as well as uh, being the elite. All right, that's it. Goodbye, everyone.